Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we're good? Okay. This is, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I already fucked up. Okay. I'm Hannah. And I'm Erin. And this is is Somebody's somebody's Gotta gotta Know. I knew that part. I knew that part would be hard. That's okay. Oh no. A podcast where we have questions. And somebody's gotta have answers. We're recording over Zoom this week because Hannah caught COVID. Hannah caught COVID. Um, We're being safe. Yes. We are following the rules as they exist at the moment. Um, And we're learning a new thing, which is how to record your podcast over Zoom. The rules are stupid right now, though, because I want you to know that the CDC, I tested positive on Monday. My symptoms started Sunday. So the CDC said that I'm out of quarantine Friday. Like it's, that's five days. They said, wear a mask for the next five. You should be fine. They don't know what's happening. I feel I just am confused about the five day thing because I'm like, that just doesn't seem like that just seems made up to me. Like, uh, I don't know. Even if you don't have symptoms, you can test positive for like up to 30 days after or something. Yeah, that's true. But they can't tell anyone to quarantine for 30 days because America would riot. Right. I don't know. I would not riot. I would be like, oh no, everyone. As long as I still get paid. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, that's, mm, that's a whole other issue. (laughs) Capitalism is not the theme today, folks. Since we're over Zoom, I do have a couple of warnings for our friends. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned before that I live in a small zoo. Um, If you hear something, Okay, that usually is one of the first things I tell people. So if you hear something that sounds like a screaming child, it is one of two things. One of my stepchildren is screaming or my parrot. Um, We have a beautiful blue and gold macaw. He's a giant, he's an asshole, and he hates the sound of my voice. So if he hears me talking for an extended period of time, he starts to yell over me. (laughs) So that's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's our public service announcement for today. Um, Behind me, You might hear the toilet running because behind this wall that only Hannah can see in my Zoom picture is the bathroom of our house. We've recorded Um, in that room before, though, and I don't think that's been an issue. I know, but right now it just sounds fairly loud to my ears, but that's okay. I can't hear it if that helps. Oh, yes, that does help. I'm glad to know. And I'm not sure that Zoom will even pick up Romy, which is the bird's name. Um, But I do know that like I used to do Zoom counseling over Zoom. Like I would I would counsel people and they could always hear the bird. So I always warn people. Um, I've also got Raven in here with me, who is my German shepherd puppy. Cause she has, she can't be away from me. I don't know. She'll be in a room with me and Jason and Jason will stay in the room and I'll leave and she'll follow. So she's sleeping on the couch next to me. So if you hear barking, that's her. Raven is welcome because she's beautiful. She is beautiful. And you can't have a reaction through zoom. Because Erin is allergic to most of my pets. <laughs> yes. Um, except for George the snake. 
George is a cat. Gary is the snake. Gary the snake. I am so allergic. close. I'm like <sighs> George the cat. You're fully allergic to. <laughs> yes. Gary the um, snake. And you're not allergic to Sprocket. Sprocket's our other dog. He's a Doberman. So because That's he right. has such short fur, Aaron's fine. That's right. Sprocket is totally safe. So speaking of animals and snakes and dogs, um, should I transition into our theme? Is that how you're transitioning? Because I don't see the relation. Well, it made sense in my brain because they're symbols and dreams. Okay. That people dream about snakes and dogs um, have meanings and dreams, some people believe. And um, dream interpretation is what we are talking about today. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited as well. I went through... So my first plan, I thought, was just going to be more of a contemporary sort of fun. These are common images and occurrences that appear in people's dreams and what we think they mean and how we think they relate to what your subconscious is trying to tell you about your waking life. But I ended up reading a little bit more about the history of dream interpretation and psychology and neuroscience. And it literally goes back to the first things that human beings were writing down was like our dreams. So nice. It was a little too much to cover everything, but we're going to. Well, yeah, that that is an issue we hit every week. (laughs) I know. I know. Like um, there's a lot of things that psychoanalysis took well from the father of psychoanalysis freud and his sort of predecessor no not predecessor freud was a predecessor of carl jung yes who kind of had a more nuanced take on how to understand dreams as they relate to psychology which is cool but we're gonna get there we're not there yet so i would like to make a couple of comments oh yeah please do um the first is that I realized we've been doing this for a whole month. Woo-hoo! By the time this episode is out, I believe it'll be almost exactly a month since we published our first episode. And this is our fifth. So that's cool. That's very cool. Happy um, anniversary. Yeah, I didn't think that we'd be able to last this long because we're both busy and bad at hanging out. <laughs> yes, this is um, true. objectively true. Yeah, we live five minutes away. And until we started the podcast, we barely saw each other. We tried. We did have like a weekly date for two weeks. And then it stopped. (laughs) Um, The other thing is we didn't talk about last week's episode at all. Oh, my gosh. You're right. You're right. And that was super exciting because we had our first guest. I think he did a really great job. I think he kind of set the bar pretty high. I listened to it again and I had an easier time understanding than, as, than when we were recording. Um, if you have listened to that episode, I had, I don't know, six different existential crises during it. Um, and I, a comment that I thought was funny that you made Aaron after we were talking in her kitchen and she went, does your brain work like that all the time or something along those lines? And I had to go, yes, yes, it does. I just don't normally voice my anxieties like I did in that episode. <laughs> so 
you know, if you're someone like me who's on the mental health spectrum, this is a safe space. Right. Yes, it definitely is. And it's always okay to voice your feelings and thoughts about weird things. Your fear of death. Fear of death came up multiple times in that episode, (laughs) which, you know, I guess is part of life. Yeah. Well, I've been, I was thinking about it today because I've been watching Grey's Anatomy. Um, I started from season one again, and there's a lot of talk about Alzheimer's because there's a couple different characters in the show that get Alzheimer's. And I was sitting on the couch going, what if I have Alzheimer's and I just don't know it? And it's like really early onset. And then I went, Hannah, what if the sun's going to explode and we're all going to die tomorrow? Knock it off. <laughs> I did. I was thinking about that later. Um, Cause I was like, the way you presented it was like, I think about this often. Like, I this do. A present fear that I have. And I was like, the way I was just like, no, I don't have that. But I have <laughs> never like, thought of this. I have other like constant fears, but they're not the sun exploding. Um, I'm much more afraid of like, I don't know, a crazy man with an ax like breaking into my house in the middle of the night. Which arguably is more likely than the sun exploding. Yeah, like I, when Aaron and I were in that apartment in Vermont and no, and like it may, like no one in the town locked their doors. Like that was not a thing. We were a little tiny, like not even a village. We were a hamlet within a village. Yeah. But when he was working at the fire department and he would be gone all night. Oh, I forgot that he did that. Oh my God. Fireman Hodge. I would think like, I'm an independent lady. I'm feeling fine. I'm in a safe place. Like I know that my landlord is two floors down in her apartment and she stays up till four in the morning watching documentaries on hiking Mount Everest. (laughs) Like I like knew these things and I still would have, I would have to check all the doors, all the closets, lock all the doors, check the bathroom like twice before I went to bed, like check the windows. Like I just thought, I don't know. I, was- I have those thoughts when Jason is in bed next to me and the way that our bedroom is set up it's so small that the bed's against the wall so they would have to climb over him to try and kill me and I still like they had to go through two large dogs an attack bird my fiance and his guns I'm still worried I'm gonna die and you have a like a do you lock the fence at night the thing the fence doesn't lock but it has a code but like it's not it's not like it's the most it's not really meant to keep like if someone wanted to they could drive through it or climb over it like it's not a very intense fence it's more like I don't know a a small deterrent like ah this is another obstacle yeah I guess I'll turn around (laughs) if someone was thinking about it like they were like I'm gonna find Jason (laughs) like this is too much work (laughs) I think it's more for looks than anything Jason likes to look important Yes, he does have he does have a thing for fanciful additions to cars and homes and rooms. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I mean, I put different fancy things on my walls and cars and rooms, but you know, it's uh different levels of fancy. I get understand the uh uh inclination. 
Well, those were my comments. We can go back to dreams now if you want. I just wanted to acknowledge that like that episode happened. It was pretty cool. Um, I'm feeling much less anxious today. This is my third cup of coffee though. So time will tell. Yeah, we've got an hour for that to kick in. And I <laughs> ate a Slim Jim for breakfast. So I'm living my best life. Oh God, Hannah. <laughs> Ugh. Slim Jim for breakfast. And some potato chips. Ah! Oh my god. I don't want to cook and I don't like cereal. All right. We'll have an episode (laughs) on breakfast some other time. (laughs) I can see you thinking about lecturing me. I'm not. I'm like, I'm recording. I won't do it. (laughs) But someday. I don't know if you can see this, but when I go to drink my coffee, my eyebrow. Oh my god. I don't know. I don't have a filter on. I don't know why that's happening. Because your mug, filter? your eyebrow? That's weird. Does yeah. it happen to me? Watch. No. Do I have a, I might have a, it doesn't say I have a filter on. I've heard that Zoom does it automatically. That's weird. My Zoom. eyebrow just went onto my mug like it was makeup, but I don't, I don't know. They can't see this. This is going to be confusing. <laughs> Maybe we'll cut it. Maybe the floating eyebrow will stay. Oh, oh no, there's definitely a filter because look, there's like a yeah. makeup filter because now it's on my yeah. finger. And I just checked, I don't have it on. Zoom, that's harmful to self-image. Knock it off, Zoom. Knock it off, Zoom. No automatic beauty filters. My eyebrows do look great though. So I don't know, Zoom, tell me your tricks. Tell me, tell me your tricks. Um, I'm trying to grow my eyebrows out. Your eyebrows always look amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've always been jealous of your perfectly shaped brows. Gives me confidence when you say that. Yeah, well, you should have confidence. Look at how hot you are. Really? Thank you. Bitch, every lesbian in our school wanted to date you. Lesbians have high standards. What do you mean, really? I always thought that was more for my mind and my confrontational attitude in class. I think it's both. I think it's both your mind and your pretty curly hair and your perfectly shaped eyebrows. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So dreams. So dreams. Well, I should, I should just add generally, if we were like a cartoon trio, like me, you and Danielle, like generally, like you were kind of like the hot one. I think that's, oh, well, yeah. I think Danielle would agree. Like you're like the hot one. Do you remember when I was the hot friend because of Steven's friend? Yeah, of course. Yes. There was, there was a moment, um, when I, Danielle and I both visited Aaron and Steven was still in high, was he a senior in high school or was he at co- in college at that point? He was in high school. He was a senior in high school, which means it was like our freshman or sophomore year of college. And he had a friend over too, cause it was like New Year's or something. And the friend couldn't remember our names. So he called me the hot friend. And that has kept my ego going for 10 years. <laughs> As it should. Whenever I feel down about myself, if I happen to text your brother, he goes, Hannah, knock it off. You're the hot friend. It's like, you're right. It's true. Um, not that I know like what Danielle and I's like uh, descriptor would be in this like cartoon. I think, did you ever watch Ed, Ed and Eddie? Yeah. You're double D. You're the super smart friend. Oh, thank you. And Danielle is like bubbles in the Powerpuff Girls. Yes. She looks really soft and sweet, but if you fuck with her, you will lose. Yes. This is true. And I'm beautiful. 
Beautiful. <laughs> All right, I gotta get into the dreams now. I gotta get into this. <laughs> we took too long. Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Those are all worthwhile. I- I'm into it. I think that's good. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. As we've said, please look check out our previous week titled "I Live in Tupperware Filled with Insulation Foam and Nothing Is Real." Um, that's <laughs> we our- did have a. Um, I did like a title battle on our Instagram story. I don't know if you saw that. I did. For an alternative title, and I forget who the winner was. Let me look. The winner for the alternative title was, oh, it was, we definitely had gravity before 1905. That was the winner? For the alternative title, yeah. Huh. The, the final three were, if I would believe anything, it's that trees are in charge. That really makes my whole existence start to decompose. And we definitely had gravity before 1905. Wow. It was close. It was like four, five, and six votes so it was very close so maybe i'll do that again this week that was kind of fun yeah we should do that that's so interesting not the ones i would have guessed anyway we obviously picked the best one. Oh yeah the, <laughs> the tupperware one is for sure the best um so it kind of leads in to today if you could say that last week we were talking about capital t time i'd say this week we're talking about capital D dreams. Okay. That was a cheesy way to put it, but that's all right. I like it. So dream interpretation goes back, like I said, as far back as human civilization goes, as far back as you can find recordings of history. When we could write, we started writing about dreams. And so the earliest examples of that Uh, were discovered in what was ancient Mesopotamia, which is now the country of Jordan and Israel by Saudi Arabia, um, close to Egypt. Yeah. If you know about the, I think I'm going to pronounce these right, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Okay. Um, that area was kind of referred to as like the fertile crescent, like the cradle of civilization. Um, yeah. So that was the beginning of what we think of as modern civilization. Like human beings got together and decided we can plant things here. And so we will stay here and we will plant them this year. And then again, next year, and we'll build houses that last, um, I don't think I just taught enough about how we did things because it was just very much and let there be light Ooh. in my education. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Big oof. So you're you're really catching me up to speed here. Well, the alternative theme for this week, and what I still want to do the next time um, I'm leading our discussion is a geography episode. Um, oh, I need that. Yeah, I was thinking we could explore like the history of like global maps and look at the map of the world together because I found this really cool site that lets you click and you click on one place, it brings you on the map of that country or the map of that continent and the map of a country on the continent and a map of a city. So you can click and click and click. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I personally also forget all the time the relative locations of different countries and their sizes and 
remembering when you look at a world map, you need to remember the world is round and also um, we're only trying to understand it on like a 2D surface. Anyway, all of that's very interesting. But I think it's important to recognize that the beginning of civilization happened in what we refer to today pretty much as like the Middle East, um, like Iraq and Syria, which is a whole other interesting thing. But yeah, um, real quick, can you hear Jackson? No. Okay, good. He's he's screaming like he's literally dying at his video games. And I just texted him <laughs> to remind him to be quiet. But he, th- my first reminder lasted for all of about two minutes. Well, I can hear him. Okay, then we're good. Then he can do whatever he wants. Because you're good. As long as it's not picking up on Zoom. <laughs> I can't hear him. And you can hear me talking about ancient Mesopotamia. So yes. we're good, right? Yeah. Um, so the document that kind of enlightened us as to the importance of dream interpretation is the story called The Epic of Gilgamesh. Have you heard of this? Oh, yes. I Generally- don't think that I know it, but I, the word Gilgamesh, I've heard, I wouldn't know if I hadn't heard that word before, you know? Yes. yes. Name? Is it a name? Yes. Okay. Um, so the Epic of Gilgamesh is super cool. We think of it as kind of the first piece of literature that we have recorded. So it's written on this series of tablets um, that were uncovered in kind of the ruins of ancient Mesopotamia, and it tells the story of the hero Gilgamesh, who became the kind of archetype for the ancient stories of like Hercules and other uh, heroes and various civilizations around the world. So it's a, a hero who receives a prophecy from the gods that he's going to accomplish this great feat and goes on a series of adventures uh, to accomplish it. But throughout the story, Gilgamesh has dreams that he believes, uh, like I said, are prophecies that are telling him what to do next, uh, are telling him who he's going to meet and what relationship he's going to have with them, whether he's about to meet a friend or an enemy. Um, And while he's doing this, the gods are watching him and making decisions and whether to help him or to get in his way. And it's really cool because it's, Obviously, we have religious texts mm-hmm. that for sure existed before this, but this is like obviously a work of fiction. Okay. It has religious influences. Like it tells us like what they thought the gods were like and what gods they believed in. But like Gilgamesh is a fictional character. And we didn't have like there was a lot of stories that were passed down verbally, but were there a lot like that that were written that weren't like the Bible? Well, the thing about the Epic of Gilgamesh is that the reason we know about it is because it's like was carved in these tablets. Like I'm sure there were other stories, but right, but that's what I'm saying. Like they were, like that's how um, mythology and stuff all started. It was all verbal communication. There were right. stories that you told around the campfire while you were frying up whatever you killed that day, but nobody right. wrote anything down. But this is this is pre Greece, pre Rome, pre oh, okay. Like this, they didn't even exist yet like those cities didn't exist for those people to be coming up with this these. is like old old yeah no yes i'm literally talking about like people like when human humans were nomadic peoples just like roaming around the globe in tribes 
like Mesopotamia is when they first decided like, maybe, hear me out. Don't freak out anybody. But what if we stayed here? Oh, what if we stopped roaming? And everyone was like, okay, we'll give it a try. And it worked. And then it worked. That's why it's called. Can you imagine if we were still roaming around? We still just like moved every couple of weeks for new things. I think society would be happier. Mesopotamia fucked up. Hmm. Well, (laughs) that's a really long pause. Well, my, you know, it's my brain. My brain was like, well, Hannah, what about like medicine and like the idea that if you can't walk, like you can still live. Like, well, we don't walk everywhere. We have vehicles. Oh, you're mean like if we had the technology we have today. But like we still, you know, moved around. (laughs) There's no permanency. It was like very go with the flow. I think the hippies had it right. Yeah, I do think the hippies had a lot of things correct. Um, Mostly, I don't want to be here because it's cold. And if we were all moving all the time, I wouldn't have this problem. (laughs) Because you wouldn't have your house. Would you carry all your animals with you all the time? You'd have a big camper. (laughs) I like this idea. Less pets. I think that if I was someone who moved around a lot, I wouldn't have this many pets. I don't think I would have acquired all of these things. You could say that the whole tiny home van culture thing that's on the rise at the moment is kind of a return to the nomadic lifestyle. Jason and I have discussed when um, we do move eventually, when the kids are out of high school, that instead of buying a house, we're going to buy like a really, really, really nice RV. So we can like drive between Florida and Texas and New Hampshire and see everybody all the time and never have to like be in one place. Well, that's and we'll cool. have like a camper dog. Very cool. I, I can see you guys doing that for sure. So you will return to the nomadic lifestyle pre-Mesopotamian yes. um, civilization. But for the sake of our episode today, we will continue forward in time. Okay, fine. I can compromise. <laughs> so the Epic of Gilgamesh remains cool because dreams... They're not just like fanciful moments in the story, like meant to be poetic. They like move the plot along. Like Gilgamesh will wake up and be like, I had a dream that I met this other man and we embraced. And what does that mean? And then uh, a priest would say, oh, that means, you know, you're going to befriend this person. The next person you meet is going to be your friend. And there's a whole thing about a friend he meets, the name of which I'm do I think but anyway I wish my dreams were that straightforward well we'll get into that is this the transition from the idea that dreams are what you see like the story you experience in your dream is straightforward and it's telling you something whether it's you know um from a time that they believed in many gods or whether it's a monotheistic religion religion that believes you know god is telling you through your dream to build this building or fight this war or kill or this have person. a baby or have a baby um that used to be one of my greatest fears too that god that i would not god necessarily well i guess yeah because based on how i was raised i was like this could happen to anybody mary was just a normal person she had no sex she had a baby i don't want to have a baby for a long time i was also a virgin 
I was like, I used to take pregnancy tests all the time. I had never had sex. Hannah, what? Oh my God. It's worse than I suspected. I have so much anxiety. Oh, Hannah. Whew. All right. It's worse than you expected. That's worse. I don't remember you telling me this before. I've never told you this before. Well, do you remember the one time I got crossfaded and gave birth on our couch? Yeah. It was a real fear. What? Oh, my God. But, like, if you're having that experience, are other young women having that experience? Oh, for sure. It's that religious trauma. The whole concept that, like, Mary wasn't having sex with her husband also, like, what? They weren't married. They weren't married yet? When she got pregnant, they weren't married. Joseph almost left her. The town almost stoned her because they assumed that she committed adultery and had sex out of wedlock with another man and got pregnant. But then she married Joseph. Because God came to Joseph and said, hey, fuckwad, this is going to be my baby. She's telling you the truth. Please stop everyone from trying to kill her. And he went, ah, it's mine. Everything's fine. I'm still going to marry Mary. Don't stone her to death. Oh, I guess I forget about the part that God spoke to Joseph. No one believes. No one believes her originally. She goes, an angel came to me. I'm pregnant now. I don't know what happened. Everyone's like, you lying whore. Stones. But then Joseph says, no, no, it's right. And she's they're like, ah, you have a penis. You must know. This is all worse. All of this is worse. <laughs> the Bible's mean, okay? The Old Testament sucks. Ah, uh, well. Ooh. No disrespect to anyone who's religious. I just have decided not to follow that anymore uh, okay I think, I think my anxiety comes from the bible yeah no for sure for sure but the <laughs> bible i will say the bible is such an interesting artifact because it's been translated so many times by so many different people with so many different ulterior motives that that messages have been changed and altered over time oh yeah um, and and like for their like every religion has a different translation because the regular person who started it said, this is what I need the Bible to say for people to believe me. Right. Yes. Whoever was in charge at the time, you know, Yeah. Um, all religions are called to me. Stand by that. I will die on this hill. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about today. Well, it, it's all tied in. It's tied in because Um, obviously, like I was saying, the Epic of Gilgamesh is used for so many different reasons. Um, But if we're following the strain of dream, dream science, psychology, we can think of this as the start of putting an emphasis on the subconscious as a tool uh, to better understand yourself and your life. So then we move on a little forward in time to ancient Egypt, um, hopping across the river here. And Egyptian. I used to say that too in describing Vermont, and you thought it was really cute. Yeah, I still think it's really cute. Um, okay. And I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining being in like ancient Mesopotamia, and being like, "Hey guys, I'm hopping across the river to Egypt," and everyone's like, "Oh, what a nifty little saying." Um, <laughs> although that, I think they believe that crossing the Nile was like a way to get to the underworld or something, but that's different. That's different. We'll talk Everyone's about relationship in ancient Mesopotamia is the relationship that Aaron and I had in college. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great, we'll it was great. There was no conflict. Everyone had a wonderful time. Okay. Um, so ancient <laughs> Egypt. Um, Egyptian priests were specifically also dream interpreters. And so they believed that dreams were the gods communicating to 
their leaders, you know, their royalty, their kings, um, and that dreams were prophecies from the gods, or they were like, um, not prophecies, but like orders from the gods, you know, they would say, build this pyramid or fight this war. And the king would talk to the priest and the priest would say, yes, this is what the gods meant. This is what the eagle meant when it flew to you from the sky like that. So dreams were pretty literal, it sounds like. Very literal, yes. Okay, there was no, like, your teeth have fallen out, so maybe you need less stress in your life. No, no, this was very literal. Okay. Um, But, you know, it was particular to the culture. Like, to them it was literal, but because they believed certain symbols meant something very specific. You know, it wasn't personal. It was cultural. Um, So then we move on to ancient Greece, where... They start to understand dreams like a little differently. They had, they still had temples built um, to the god of dreams, and they believed that you could heal people through their dreams, and it was still tied into religion. And there were still priests that did dream interpretation. Um, but there was a certain guy named Artemidorus, um, and his ideas actually would later be inspiration for um, what we would think of as like, quote unquote, modern uh, dream analysis and uh, psychoanalysis. And he's actually quoted in Freud's first book on dream interpretation, which we will get to, but Artemis Doris- I didn't realize that Freud did dream interpretation because he was, ah, yeah. I guess he wasn't literal. He was very symbolic and everything was penis related. We're going to get to this. Okay, sorry, skipping ahead. You are skipping ahead a little, but it is interesting that this guy in ancient Greece, you know, kind of had inklings that would lead to much later ideas about how our subconscious and our ego works. Um, So he suggested that symbols in a dream can be broken down to the root of the word and that the root words of the image that you see in your dream are clues to what your dream is trying to tell you. So that's more work than I feel like it should be to figure out what my dreams mean. I think it's a little, like, it's a little much like, cause you're translating an image to a word and then breaking down the meaning of that word. So like, it's very particular to the language, whatever language you speak. Um, so the idea for them, this was Greece. So that was mm-hmm. kind of like ancient, Latin, um, ancient Greek words. So that was very like central to them, like how they interpreted these dreams. But he would say like, if you saw the example, I think they give in the um, story I was reading is that a king sees like a satyr in his dream, which is uh, like a half man, half goat, if I'm Mm -hmm. remembering right. Um, And so this, Greek philosopher, priest guy, Artemidorus would say, okay, King, you're not going to see a satyr. Like a satyr is not going to come find you in the night or the satyr is not trying to tell you anything. But if you break down the two words that make the word satyr, those have different meanings. Put them in a sentence. This is what your subconscious is trying to tell you. But he didn't have the words for subconscious um, at the time. He just had this idea. They didn't know anything about the brain. Right. They didn't know anything about the brain, but they didn't understand like language. 
um, is made up of parts and that your brain, not your brain, but you, your mind, your thoughts, right. Your thoughts are in a language. They had an understanding of what a thought was without having the word for it. Right. Yes. Okay. That's confusing, but okay. Well, right. They believed, well, they believed in like your soul, right? They believed mm-hmm. you had like a spirit and that the, that there were other forces at work that could communicate with you like through your spirit. Um, but I just think it's interesting that they were like written, like written language and understanding written language was like important to understanding your dreams. Like that was, but like you said, it's complicated. Like it's a complex way to approach it. Um, but, but Freud was interested in it because it suggested that your dreams are not literal. Which I'm glad. The things that I dream about, I don't know. They better not be literal. Yeah. Better not be prophesizing my own paralyzation. Yeah, no, 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 no. We get away, we get away from this. Okay. Um, so then in the Middle Ages, I thought this was interesting because it mentions the Middle Ages, but it's talking about the medieval Islamic world. Whereas like when we were talking about the Middle Ages and like the quote unquote West, you know, it being kind of a mess. There mm-hmm. were there were scholars and writers and artists, but like they were a small niche group of people. But um, that yeah. was when you said people became illiterate. Yes. Okay. But in, well, so now you can't use words to interpret dreams because nobody can read. Well, that well that was a part of the world in in, okay. in the East in like what is now the Middle East, like the medieval Islamic world. Um, you know, east of the Mediterranean. I'm doing this hand motion. That means nothing. no, it's helping. No, no, it works for me. They had art and schools and libraries and scholars and. Um, so only the West became illiterate. Yeah. No, this was that like makes sense. Like Europe was a mess. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> um. So they actually, in um the Muslim world, they were, uh, scholars were writing extensively about dream interpretation. And they actually started writing about how the symbols you see in a dream are relative to the person who's dreaming it. So previously, regardless of who you are, what's happened in your life, if you're like, I saw a goat in my dream, the dream interpreter, the priest guy would be like, goats mean this. This is what you saw. I'm making this up now, but let's say. No, no, I know symbolized i don't know fertile crops okay they'd be like you are gonna have fertile crops and if he's like but i make pots they'd be like doesn't matter fertile crops change unless i know absolutely nothing about dream interpretation which might be true i feel like we're back there i feel like it doesn't matter who you are like the one thing that i know is teeth falling out is a distress dream and so if you dream about teeth falling out doesn't matter who you are you're probably stressed there's no like, well, what do you do for work? What's going on in your life? This is, these are all the meanings that it could have. It's just like, this thing means that thing. I think that's like quick, like internet dream okay. interpretation. But if you're going through like psychoanalysis, I think we've arrived at a bit more of a nuanced place. Okay. Um, of course, if you go on like BuzzFeed, they're like, yeah, if you're dreaming about your teeth falling out. BuzzFeed is where I do all my research, so. BuzzFeed. I mean, if I could be a writer on BuzzFeed, like, I would. I would take that job. Um, 
That would be such a good job. It'd be a great job. Okay. Anyway, so the, mid- <laughs> so the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages in um, you know the east of the Mediterranean. They were having some interesting thoughts, uh, and they were approaching the idea that how what like there's what we dream and there's what dreams are so people were starting to ask like what is a dream anyway like why do we have these um like what is what is our head doing at night that which was they that was a new question before i was just accepted that like of course like people have prophecies we see visions they're just visions i have while i'm sleeping and they're magical and holy and 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 so these are the first people to be like hey of course i'm just seeing the future I'm just and God told me to have a baby. God, everything is fine, baby. I will, yes, raise your son. Absolutely, (laughs) no problems, none. Um, right. So, these Muslim scholars were like, Wait a second, what is a dream? Mm, Good question. It's not being awake. (laughs) Do I have another kind of life? Like, so then it's interesting because in China. So you keep going east um, and they, uh, Chinese scholars were coming even closer to kind of the questions that modern neuroscience and philosophy are trying to address in dreams still to this day. Um, Neuroscience is focusing on dreams? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're very interested. How about they cure other shit first? Neuroscientists, I don't want to tell you how to live your life. But I don't feel like dreams are our biggest issue right here when it comes to the brain. <laughs> I don't think, I, I'm sure there's a way that it's connected to real issues, you know, like that they're saying dreams, understanding our, how our subconscious works and how our brain is understanding information might help with mental health issues, I'm sure. Sorry, I'm texting Jackson to shut up because all I can hear is I fucking dare you and it's distracting me. Tell him I, I hope dude, he... fuck dare people quieter. Hope he wins his war game. Yesterday, this is totally a little tangent, but yesterday we were in the basement. So Jackson's room is in the basement. It's a totally finished thing, but the rest of the basement isn't finished. And so Jason and I were down there taking apart an engine and he knew that we do. were outside of his door. Yeah, as, as you do, it's normal fine um but he wasn't being any quieter and at one point we heard him go hey dude you're right i shouldn't have joked about that i'm sorry which is like huge for a white man in today's society to like take accountability and apologize fucking huge but then later i heard him go all right so like what can i joke about (laughs) (laughs) he was like i want to fucking make fun of you how can i do it appropriately well Asking questions is where we start. He's really cute. He has this friend, I think his name is Tyler, in Canada that he plays with. They're the same age. So he has this Canadian friend who he's never met. Which, like, if I was his age, you know, however many years ago, that would have freaked my parents out. A friend from Canada that I don't know. They play Xbox together all day long. Well, that's... And he wants to know how he can bully him. <laughs> I... I'm not going to pretend to be able to understand a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> no, I am proud of him, though, for being like, no, you're right, I fucked up. Anyways, uh-huh. back to dreams. I'm sorry. I got distracted because all I could hear was him yelling, and I didn't focus on anything that you said. Well, but that's okay. He's, you can... he's quieter, so I think he got my text. <laughs> the cool thing about this is you can always listen to it later. Good. 
Um, so quickly, I just want to reference, and I'm going to butcher the name of it, I am sure, but the book that I was referring to that has this information from the Muslim scholars of the Middle Ages is called Tabir al-Ruya and Mut Akhab al-Kalam fi Tabir al-Halam. Do you want to spell it in case anyone wants to look into this more? A book of dreams. I think maybe we'll post it on the Instagram. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Send me a picture and the name and I'll put it up there. Yes. It's cool. I would definitely want to check it out. It's a work divided into 25 sections of dream interpretation. Um, it's kind of a how-to. It's kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so we will be moving on to China. As I said, the standard traditional book from China on dream interpretation is called The Lofty Principles of Dream Interpretation, which I think is a nice, fun name. Um, we're currently in the 16th century, and this was by an author named Shen Shiyuan. And um, so they were asking, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I think it's interesting, is how do we differentiate between dream and reality? Well, we don't. I'm in a coma. Well, right. This goes back into our last podcast. We're like, how do you know? That any of this is real. What if right. this is the dream and the reality is when I can't walk? Like, what if your, sen- if your senses work in a dream? How can you differentiate? So there's this kind of fun quote. I really liked it. That's from this text. And it goes, once Shang Chao dreamed that he was a butterfly. He fluttered about happily, quite pleased with the state that he was in and knew nothing about Shang Chao. Presently, he awoke and found that he was very much Shang Xiao again. Now, did Xiao dream that he was a butterfly or was the butterfly now dreaming that he was Xiao? Mm. I've always that? wondered about animals dreaming, though, because like I know my dogs dream because you can mm. see it. You know, you can see when a dog is dreaming. But do they dream the same way that we do? Or are they like chasing their favorite squirrel? Does Raven finally get the cat when she's dreaming? Or are there like adventures and nightmares and other shit? I don't know. Are they like doggy heavens and they've their bowl never empties? I know not. How but do their brains fire synapses? It's a it's a worthy question, I think. Are they in charge of us in their dreams? Is Raven telling me to sit and stop fighting with people? Because that's what I did all morning. Maybe. It's all possible, is the thing. It's all possible. We're not even entirely sure, you know, how they see the world, right? I mean, we have strong guesses. Yeah. But animals are cool, though. Animals are cool. We'll do... Animals are worthy of, like, a whole episode, I think. Animal brains. Um, Animal brains. So that was a quick... That was a quick leap through, like, the ancient history. Animal brain. What? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I sing things to the Kit Kat theme song. <laughs> but you have to finish the song. You can't just sing the first part of it. So how'd it go? Animal, animal brains. Animal brains. Break me off a piece of that animal brain. Beautiful. Cute. I love it. Um back to China. Are we still in China? Uh we're li- we're exiting China. We were in China okay. for a little bit. So I didn't find that is definitely worth like a little more research and we can post like that 
text as well, but they, they were approaching it from a very like philosophical point of view. Yeah, I can just do like an Instagram post with all of the different books that you're referencing. Yeah. Because you just like send me their names, I can find pictures of them. It's very cool. I would like to look at all these books. So yes, let's share them. So we're going to jump ahead in time. So if let's say China, Chinese philosophers started asking these questions in the 16th century. Um, we're going to jump around the world and a few hundred years later um, to what would be considered modern Western Europe uh, to Sigmund Freud, who would have been familiar with all of these texts and all of these philosophers and thinkers um, because he believed very strongly. Freud was like early 1900s, right? Like he published, he published. I should know this. No, you're, you're very close. He published his first important book in 1900. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he was late 1800s early 1900s yeah I mean he lived much longer after that and wrote a bunch of other things um but he this is like my area of expertise as psychologists and I don't know when any of them existed no I mean you you were you were right oh yeah he lived into the 1930s yeah I just looked him up really quick okay cool continue so Freud is referred to as the father of psychoanalysis um he was interested in the subconscious and gave us the idea of multiple parts of our subconscious. Mm-hmm. And his first book, the one that I was referring to, it, he finished it in 1899 and it was officially recognized in 1900. And it's called The Interpretation of Dreams. It has a German okay. name. I'm not going to try and pronounce the German name, but we will post it somewhere. Okay. Um, and one of the big takeaways of this text that he wrote, it was kind of like foundational to how he worked with his patients and also like interpreted his own dreams. Mm-hmm. This is kind of an interesting thing. Like the first study he did was like on himself and his own dreams, which would like not fly today as like mm-hmm. scientific, but it was interesting and people were interested in it at the time. But The big idea was that there are two steps to understanding a dream. And the first is that you have a subconscious desire or a wish uh, that you want to be fulfilled and that your subconscious mind when you're asleep uh, kind of insists on pushing this wish or seeing this wish fulfilled. And that is referred to as like the latent content of your dream. However, the more rational or like socially conscious part of your mind suppresses that wish for whatever reason, whether it thinks it's inappropriate or impossible uh, or shameful or something. So another part of your brain suppresses the, the, the obvious, like the truth, I guess you could say, like what you really want is suppressed and it disguises it in these symbols and kind of like jumbles up what it is you really want and tells it to you in this like symbolic story that is your dream. And that's called the manifest content, which is what you actually see in your dream. And so Freud's, all his symbols, like have you heard about like if you dream of mountains or ladders and people like hooked onto the sexual stuff, 
Freud um, was a really sexual guy, though. Like when you say Freudian slip, it's like that's it means that you said something that's sexual. Right. But the Freudian slip is like a reference to a sexual like desire that you have. Yeah. He he saw everything in Freud's mind was phallic and everybody wanted to fuck their mom. Right. He invented the Oedipus complex. Yeah. Which is in this book. Um, so I think that people clinging on to the sexual piece of his dream interpretation is accurate. He it's was, interesting though, because he, he wasn't like, getting laid enough. Daddy Freud needed to get it in. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, apparently he did. Um, but it's interesting <laughs> because but he denies it. Like in his, like afterwards, like talking about his own book, he's like, no. Well, of course this was his, his deepest shameful subconscious that he was dreaming about. But you're right. People were like, Fred, this is like, you're making this like really sexually sexy and like weird. And he was like, no, it's just a natural part of like, it's just a small part of the subconscious. I write about other stuff in there. I don't think he was getting his dick wet. But he was married. And like, that doesn't mean anything. I guess so. People are married and don't have sex. Sometimes. Yeah, no, that's true. There's this very like overdramatized. I'm pretty sure it's just called Freud. It's this German TV show that Aaron watched. I'm trying to of remember. Of course he did. I'm trying to remember what streaming service it's on. It's like crazy. Like it is like Freud did all these things and wrote this book, but also like his patient was a witch and <laughs> could summon spirits and talk to the dead. And there was a murder. Oh, he had a bunch of kids. Maybe he seances things like that yeah yeah that's what i don't know he was also really obsessed with dicks maybe he was gay and couldn't tell anyone because it was 1900 very possible very possible let me ouija up freud Ooh, that would be interesting gay i think i'd have to go to germany for that i was gonna say we'd probably have to like go freud's in new hampshire no, I don't think I don't think he is. You definitely have to go to Germany. Oh no, not Germany. What am I talking about? I thought he was German. He, but he lived in Vienna. Oh, and he died in London. I have his wiki page up. He might have been Austrian. Austrian neurologist Sigmund Freud. Oh, yeah. I apologize, everyone. He's handsomer than I thought he was. No, he gives me he gives me big gay vibes. Really? Look at this man. Oh, that you can't see that very well, but there we go. I see. I just have to correct myself a little bit because Still Freud. Freud. I'm sorry. Freud lived in Vienna. He was Austrian. That's all important. That's different uh, and worth noting. Um, okay. What was I going to say? You made. Sorry, I got really distracted by the fact that <laughs> he was too horny. No, I think this is an accepted truth. I think everyone is like would agree. Yeah. That he was um he was a horny man yeah and and there's a lot I think there's a lot to say about his individual studies and like his first patient was like this young woman um who he worked with in kind of a torturous way to get his book out It, it that's a whole other story um but anyway just to just to glaze over to just brush over very quickly the things that he introduced it is the idea of symbols in your dream that need to be interpreted that have an underlying meaning um and that 
dreams are sorting through your deepest desires, your deepest traumas, um, and that. No, I mean, yeah, that I feel like tracks. Well, right. That's why Freud is like still important. Like we can't just like dismiss, like you're not like, oh, he was just a total lunatic. Like he wasn't. I think it's interesting that he had such a big hand in dream interpretation because like I learned about him a lot in my undergrad, which was child development. Mm. But he's like the father of psychology. So I guess if you do anything in psychology, you have to start with Freud. Because Jung is one of the bigger like child development psychologist that you learn about. And he was like Freud's protege. That's the word I was looking for. Yes, protege. They had a relationship. I'm just deciding that all of the old dead men are gay now. Sorry, I probably shouldn't do that. I think... So Freud definitely, Freud met Jung, Jung, right? The J is pronounced as a Y. Mm -hmm. Carl Jung. Carl Jung. And was like, this is going to be my heir. He is going to take on, continue my research in psychoanalysis. He's going to keep my work alive, which in a lot of respects, Jung did do that. But they also kind of- He disagreed in a lot of ways though. Like he wasn't super hip with the everyone wants to fuck their mom stuff. Correct. Yes, um, there is like a whole. I'm sure you studied different things in your class. I just focused on the dream part. But. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like the dream stuff didn't. I didn't know that he had any. At least I don't remember being taught that he had any piece in the dream stuff. It might have been glanced over. But there's also like so many things that he must have researched and had a hand in. And I was only taught the stuff that was relevant to my degree. So. Yes. Yes. Carl Jung did so much. Like contributed so much to contemporary psychology and psychiatry too freud was like psychoanalysis is the thing that i do um i did hear once someone say something i thought was interesting that was freud was really interested in like identifying trauma like he was interested in like having someone recognize what the problem was but then he was sort of like okay now good luck like he wasn't yeah he would would get to the root of the issue and then like send you on your way right like this is why you're upset now you have that i've done my work yes yes it sounds like at least from the very quick research that i was doing that carl young was a little more interested in like follow up with your patient yeah um so carl young's book on this subject is called dream interpretation ancient and modern so he was also a bit of a historian on the subject. Um, Did you know he only died in 61? I didn't. I have his Wikipedia page up now. He was not as handsome as Freud. Um, <laughs> Everyone should know. All right. I have it up too now. But he, 1875 to 1961. But like, when I think of like Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung and Carl Rogers and all these people, I think of them as being like a long time ago, but psychology as a field is pretty new. Yeah. And I always forget that. And like 1961, that was the year my dad was born. Yeah. That was was 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's not that long ago. That's when he died. So he was like influencing psychology 60 years ago. Sorry, my brain can't handle time as we learned last week. Well, right. Well, Yes, despite my um, hesitancies in the previous episodes, I was like, I do think 
I maybe need to do a quick glazing over of just like important events that happened between 1900 and 2000 because the world wars are so like influence everything like even talking about like Freud and Carl Jung like if you look at their lives and the worlds that they were living in the status of their cities what was affecting people's minds like the world wars were a huge part of it because they were alive in people's memories, you know? Um, I was looking at stuff, the, like things keep coming up on my Facebook, like back to time. Um, Anne Frank and Martin Luther King uh, Jr. were born the same year and they're both younger than Betty White. Yes, I did see that. Um, sorry, what? That was so long ago, wasn't it? Anne Frank in the closet? Hundreds of years ago. No. Mm-mm. No. This is insane. History is crazy. Things have come so far and not far enough. Yeah. And uh, time is not real. Right. Yeah. No, that 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 would be cool. Like, I would want to, like, map out these things. It's like, have you heard how when they talk about the civil rights movement, they in history books, they make the pictures black and white to make you they think. They were colored pictures. Yeah. The, yes. The, yes. The first black girl to go to an all-white school is only in her 60s she's still alive yeah and i feel bad because i can never remember her name ruby bridges i knew it started with an r ah. rose we should know that yes we should ruby bridges yes ruby she was born born September still 19th. alive like she's only in her 60s that wasn't that long ago no it's uh deeply upsetting this is not what we're talking about this week. We're not getting into social justice movements yet. Well, I will say February February is Black History Month. Yes. Which we're not in February yet, but it, it would be worthwhile to do. We'll do something. Yeah. Because we also, we also have to acknowledge though, that we are two privileged middle-class white girls talking about the oppression of others and don't have any... Well, we, I don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge on like what that's like. No, but I do think we have a certain responsibility to educate ourselves, you know? Oh no, absolutely. I just, I just feel like that caveat needs to be said that like, we are aware that we don't know what you're going, what other people are going through, but we can still say like, this is the knowledge that we have. And it's important to recognize that we have a long way to go. Yeah. Yes. And it's good to catch ourselves and our own biases and internalize racism and, and check ourselves for those habits, because that is how you learn and grow and improve as a society. Someone said to me, well, not to me, I was listening to a podcast. I pretend that we're having a conversation when I listen to podcasts and they were talking about like being ignorant. And they said that like ignorance in and of itself isn't bad. It's when you refuse to recognize or, or grow from your ignorance that it's a problem. Like if someone calls you out because you don't know something, that's okay. Apologize and choose to learn. Don't choose to continue being ignorant. Yes. Which this podcast, I have to admit, is teaching me every episode when I say yeah. something horrendously wrong. <laughs> and so, so far, though, it's just been about dead people. So it's been I about, the, so. I don't know, history. So. Yeah, time. But, but to be so wrong about history, like I made a comment about, this goes back to the whole Renaissance problem. 
I'm going to comment about the Renaissance being like 500 years. Like that, of course not. If the Renaissance started in 1300, like I said, 500 years later was like the beginning of, well, no, what? Five plus three is 1800. It's the beginning of the industrial revolution. The Renaissance was long over. Like what? You years? said that though, and in my head I went 1350. Add five to 1300, 1350. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how long 500 years is. You're fine because you're talking to me. Right, but so other people are listening though. No one has called us out on that yet. We don't have enough listeners for that to be an issue yet. Yes, but the first episode we did with Aaron, he caught me mixing up the world wars. Yeah. Well, did you see my caption on Instagram? Still embarrassed. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and Aaron learned when World War II happened. Which I knew, everyone. I took U.S. history through film that addressed World War II, obviously. <laughs> okay. We're a little off topic. Oh, my God. We're so off topic. We went into civil rights and dead people and world wars and nazis let's get back to dreams well my point was is that all of this affected why people were interested in psychology and what was happening to the human brain and how do you heal trauma because people were traumatized oh Um, yeah that was between like 1900 and 1960 was a super traumatizing time for like the world at large the depression the two world wars the civil rights movement don't forget the the there was a pandemic before the 1920s right yeah and then they took away alcohol that was just the united states oh okay well still (laughs) no that was nowhere else nowhere else attempted that like that's smart that was just us okay that's fair um okay so where were we carl young approaching modernity oh that's why this started because he only died in the 60s and that blows my mind yeah okay um, so, okay, among the central concepts of his ideas of analytical psychology was individuation, mm-hmm. the process of differentiation of the self out of each individual's consciousness and unconscious elements. So, I just learned about this in school. I have a textbook. Oh, really? Oh, really? Hold on. Let's see if I can find it. Individuation 105. Individuation occurs when a person becomes aware of his or her unique self by coming to terms with his or her own strengths and weaknesses and by bringing the unconscious to conscious awareness while living in the here and now. Yes. So Jung applied this to dreams in that the dream has to be interpreted according to the individual who had the dream. Um, And that studying dreams is towards like that purpose of understanding yourself. So one kind of simplification is, and I I believe I read this in psychology today, is that Freud used dreams to like look backwards. Like he thought of it as dreams are working through past experience. And Jung was saying dreams are preparing you to improve yourself for future experience. Okay. Which honestly, saying it out loud, I'm like kind of the same. Guys. Well, I think, yeah, I would say both. Yeah. Because the whole thought of like 
trauma and stuff and your body is your brain is trying to process things that you're not prepared to process in your conscience um and then also move past them to prepare you for the future not that every dream has to do with trauma but right trauma used like very loosely for like anything you're sort of sorting out which is everything you always have to be any slight discomfort is something to be processed and thought through and learned from. Uh, yeah. But to just to wrap up on Carl Jung, uh, well, just what I have. And then if you want to add anything. Um, I was just skimming really quick to see if there's anything else important in there. But that's about counseling. So well, something, the th- oh. counseling theory. <laughs> well, counseling theory is cool, but. So the last thing I have on Carl Jung is that he had this idea of compensation and that were, so Freud believed images that you saw in your dream were like translations of the suppressed wish you have Mm -hmm. um, that is embarrassing to you for some reason. Um, But Carl Jung said that Your dreams are actually giving you an honest, they're trying to be honest with you about who you are and what you're dealing with. And that if you're thinking too highly of yourself, like if you are not dealing with the things you do wrong or the mistakes you make, you're going to have dreams where you're essentially being taken down a notch where like you mess up and make mistakes and bad things happen to you or you're like, you have to do the thing that you're worst at and that's like your mind is telling you this is the thing you need to fix about yourself it's like when you show up to school in your underwear right um and may i add that a dream is a wish your heart makes a dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep yes beautiful so disney was just do you, think Walt, do you think Walt knew about Young's theory? <laughs> you know, honestly, I think yeah. I think they were alive at the same time. Let's look up Walt Disney's wiki page. Walt Disney. He died in 66. So yeah. He was only 65 years old. Him and Young could have been buddies, except for he was in Illinois and Young was in Switzerland. Who knows, though? They could have been buddies. They could have talked on the phone. They could have sent letters. I picture them like Hamilton. There was no phones in 1966. <laughs> they wrote letters back and forth. <laughs> My parents are going to listen to this episode and be like, Hannah, we were alive in 1966. Shut up. I know. We were just talking about the hippies. That's when they were around. That was the, yeah. the hippie movement. Yeah, my dad was five, so there's probably phones. Free love, Woodstock. Did you know that the inventor of the telephone wanted the telephone greeting to be ahoy and not hello? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did you talk about this before? No, I just read it online somewhere. Oh. <laughs> Start answering the phone that way. I usually I... go, yo. <laughs> That's how I answer the phone. Uh, I'm going to start saying ahoy. Prepare yourself. I'm going to call you today and see if you remember. All right. I accept the Usually when I call you, you go, hi, Hannah. 
and you sound like I'm going to tell you that I'm dying. Oh gosh, that was a that was a really good impression of me. I impersonate you a lot, <laughs> mostly to Stephen when he's freaking out. Aw, I pretend that I'm you all the time. <laughs> I've gotten <laughs> it down pretty good. So instead of calling me, my brother calls you, and you and pretend- that I pretend to be you. <laughs> Not every time. Sometimes I do it for Danielle. If she needs like multiple perspectives, I give her my perspective and then I give her your perspective. Raven, what? Oh, well, that's cute. Yeah. My dog just woke up and she's not happy that I'm not touching her. No, ma'am. Everyone, Raven is just on Hannah. She's just determined. We laid back down. We're good. So let's see what else I have here. Um, So, right. So the idea of compensation, that your dream is either boosting you up when you need it or taking you down a notch when you need it. Um, But that also all of this, like all of Young's work also depends on like actively working to remember your dreams and recall them so that you can then learn from them, which is a whole other like skill one would need to learn. Yeah. I've never tried lucid dreaming. So I didn't. I have not ever tried. I've had like just a couple like close experiences. I didn't talk about that much because that's a whole that's like also a very lengthy subject. Um, But have you? No, I don't ever remember in the moments between waking up and being actually conscious that I should be writing down my dreams so that I can remember them later. Um, I've thought about it a few times. I've like put pads of paper next to my bed because to to lose a dream, you have to first start with like the second you wake up, you write down everything that you dreamed about so you can get better at remembering them so that you can be more aware while you're asleep that you're asleep. And it takes me so long to go from like physically being awake to like actually aware of what's happening around me that I don't think I'd be possible for me. <laughs> um, it sounds a little frightening to me. Uh, you know, um, the close, the only times that I've come close to lucid dreaming are just a couple memorable times where I've like flown in my dream Ooh. and I've been like, I'm flying and then not woken up and been able to kind of like play around, but it's never, it's more like I can just be aware and be like paying attention, but I can't like control like where I go or who I talk to. I can, I dream when I'm not like all the way asleep, which I think is when I talk in my sleep. Mm. And so I've been in like a bad dream before and been like, Hannah, you need to wake up now. Um, And it takes a while, but I can like do that. I can make myself wake up if I'm conscious enough already. But I've also been in dreams where it's like, I'm in a deep sleep and I'm in a dream. And I wake up panicking and have to remind, like, figure out if that was a dream or if it's really happening. Yeah, I've only had that happen a couple of times, but that's very scary. So. Well, for the last bit of the podcast. Oh, shit, it's been an hour already. It has been. It has been an hour already. So I figure we have another, like, 20 minutes to half an hour. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Because there's a couple of things we have to cut out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I thought we would talk about kind of the fun part of just modern 
interpretation of dream imagery. Yeah. So I have this little book called the dream dictionary that has little, literally little, like, it's, like not thin. It, it is a short, tiny, like fits in the palm of your hand book. That's so cute. Yes. I've had this for a super duper long time. Um, I've read it a lot, but it's interesting and it's not always obvious. You know, it's not always right on the nose. Um, but if we have anything that's not in the book, just because it is so small, it doesn't obviously have every single possible thing you could see. I have um, pulled up a website called, ooh, let me find the page. Called ooh, let me find the page.com. No, it's called dream moods. <laughs> no, wrong. <laughs> it's called dreammoods.com. And at first I was skeptical. However, it has a lot of resources that lead to all of the things that I was just talking about. So nice. whoever put it together has done some of their homework and they have a whole ginormous dictionary um, you can click through. And then a list of just some of the most common dreams like chase dreams, cheating dreams, death, falling, flying, naked, snake dreams, teeth dreams. I thought if you have any um, dream images that you want us to look up, you can tell me and I will look them up in my book and then I'll check them against this website too. Um, Fun. Jason gave me permission to talk about his dreams um, because Jason has crazy dreams where he fights people. Like he'll be dreaming that he's in a fight, but he acts it out. And not last night, but the night before he was yelling and like he twitches. So he would be like on his side and he'd yell something and then he'd like all of his limbs would flare. And I was kind of ignoring it because he does it a lot. So I can do that now. And then all of a sudden he like went to roundhouse kick and round like fully did it and kicked himself out of the bed and kicked, took all the blankets with him. And I woke him up because I was cold. That's how Jason dreams. So I feel like it's worth mentioning that Jason was in the military. Oh yeah. Well, he's not always, last night he said he was fighting with someone because they were being to Peyton. So, but he does have a lot of dreams where I wake him up and I go, hey buddy, what was that? And he goes, ah, Taliban. Like, it's not a big deal. Okay. He was in the army for 20 years, so. But he has dreams where he's fighting that are like confrontational, but are unrelated to. Yeah, like he, he fights his brothers all the time in his dreams or his best friend and him. When they were growing up, used to fight it out. Whenever they were arguing, they just get in a fist fight and then call it good. So, like, he fights Tommy in his dreams all the time. Wow. Sometimes it's like bad people, and sometimes it's just like friends. Or, or like two nights ago when he kicked himself out of bed, someone was picking on Peyton, so he kicked him in the head. Does he remember anything else? Like, does he see anything else in the dreams? All he ever tells me is that he was in a fight. Huh. And then sometimes he'll tell me who it was with or he why they were fighting. He should try writing things down. Cause I'd be interested, like if he's seeing any other kind of images or anything, but let me see. So fighting, right? That'd be under F. Yes, I believe so. Face. Well, these are symbols. So it might not be like an action. Hair, fairy tale, faithless. See, like that'd be interesting to if what else he's seeing. Yeah, because if I was Carl Jung, I'd probably be like, so who are the figures in your dream? Were you mad at them at the time? What had they done or said to you? Like if he's had a dream about Peyton, like he's dreaming about his daughter. So he's dreaming about someone he cares about and has to protect and whose future he 
thinks about actively, you know? Mm-hmm. So like that could be a symbol, like she could be acting as a symbol in his dream as like the, f- the future or like his hopes for good things in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, she might not literally be Peyton. Right. You know, or like his friend might be, like his best friend might be something from his past that he's fighting with. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I don't know. That's if you believe that's how the symbols work. Yeah. Do you have anything, I know that we've talked about before, like how you, you dream, like how you see things. Oh, yes. Like, describe how you see it because that's interesting. It's so I always of- dream, well, there's two ways. I either dream through, no, I don't dream through my eyes. I dream like I'm God and I'm watching from above, like it's a movie. And I see myself, but also nothing in my dreams is ever like a solid form. Like I see shapes, not people. And I never see faces in my dreams. Like I'll know that it's you if I'm dreaming about you because I know what your body looks like and I know how you dress and like the context of my dream tells me, but I've never once seen your face in my dream. And if I do see a face, there's nothing there, which is creepy. That's very creepy. If someone looks right at me, it's just skin. So your brain is like not creating faces. Right. Your subconscious. That's real. And you dream like you, like you're you, right? I dream I'm seeing out of my eyeballs. I have, I've had dreams where like, I'm not an active participant in the story and like, I'm watching an event happen, but I'm still aware that I'm me and I'm looking out my eyes. Like I'm not seeing myself. I dream and I see myself. That's, but I also like, sometimes I'm above me like a puppet master and I'm like watching a scene play out. And sometimes I'm like next to me trying to tell me not to do things. And I'm looking through my eyes, but I can also see myself. That's wild. I don't know. (laughs) I would be very curious to look up that, but what my dreams look like is that my dreams always look like it's no scratch that. I have two kinds. Either it's snowing in my dream usually, or everything is white and like bright out, even if it's nighttime, like the Mm -hmm. ground is white, walls in the rooms are white. There's still like color. Like I still see things in color, but I'm like, the environment is white and it's bright. And that's how I can see things or everything is dark. And I can only see as though like I'm holding a flashlight and everything is dark unless I'm like turned to it and looking at it. Interesting. Like one of those search and find puzzles. Yes. It's like that. It's like, if I turn to look at something, I'm like, oh, I can see it. But then I can't see, I have like no peripheral vision. Well, okay. Follow up. When you think a thought, do you see that thought? Okay. Close your eyes. Think about when we got lunch together last week. Mm -hmm. When you think about that, do you see it in words, in pictures, like, do you see us having lunch or do you see like colors and shapes? I see the memory as I lived it. Like I'm like back so in the like, chair. You're looking out your eyes and you see me and Aaron. Yeah. I remember like, well, last time we were with Alexa. No, last week we went to Little Brothers with Aaron. Oh, you're right. Oh, see, I jumped back to the lunch with Alexa. No, if I think back to our lunch, I'm sitting in the chair. I'm looking ahead at you. If I turn to my left. 
I'm looking at Aaron. It's like when I close my eyes. It's like a picture. I wouldn't even, it's not like a picture. It's like I'm back in, I'm like there. Okay. Like so when I have thoughts, when I think about stuff or trying to recall a memory, it's like flashes of lights and shapes. And I know in my mind that this shape is you in this chair and this shape is Aaron in that chair, but it doesn't look like you. And I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at it like from somewhere else, which is also how I dream. That ha- but you like construct a vision of yourself, like how you looked on that day. Sort of, but I'm not seeing a person. Oh, like when I think about it, there's like a brown fuzzy thing that I assume is the table. There's a whitish blob that's you. There's a bluish blob that's Aaron. And my blob is maroon. And they're like, like, um, like, you know, when you look into a light and then you close your eyes and you see those dots. Yes. That's what it looks like. I've never heard anything like this before. I don't, which I think is why, like, if someone's like, okay, like if we're rearranging a room and someone tells me to picture like the couch over here, I can't physically do it unless the couch is over there. Cause I don't see it as that in my head. Huh. Wow. Another question. When you're having thoughts, do you hear a voice in your head? And if you do, is it your voice? So this is separate than the narrator question. I imagine a narrator question. You know, do you ever imagine a voice like narrating your life? Like Hannah walked up to the door. No. Sighed heavily as she pulled it open. You narrate your life? Sometimes. Is it your voice narrating your life? Or is it a different voice? It's what I wish my voice sounded like. Okay. So like when I think... Like specifically, I'll be like in the grocery store and in my head, I'll be like, all right, you need to get eggs and you need to get milk and you need to get cheese. So when they do that, they would see eggs, milk and cheese. I hear my voice going, Hannah, don't forget to get eggs, milk and cheese. Hannah, don't forget to get eggs, milk and cheese. And there's nobody saying, and then Hannah walked to the cheese aisle and couldn't find what she needed. And Hannah got to the register and forgot her milk. There's just a little nagging voice going, Hannah, where's your milk? And it's me. It's my voice. Oh, I guess I imagine myself, I imagine myself going to the aisle. Like I make a little movie for myself. Okay. That's me getting milk, eggs, and cheese. You know, in the beginning of the Star Wars movies, that thing that, that, those oh, words, yeah. that's my yeah. brain. It's just words, words, it's words weird. and colors. It's my voice. Colors. And my voice is very naggy in my head. And so that translates to your dreams. Yes. The way that I think is also how I dream. Huh. This is I've never had to explain this to somebody before, and now I feel kind of like I should go to the doctor. No, I mean, I think if we asked a lot of people, like I've had this conversation with Rachel before, and like her dreams and how she thinks and how she narrates are different than mine. I feel like her and I are a little more similar than you and I in terms of like how we think about our day. But like whenever we have Rachel on, we should ask her about this because she has very vivid dreams. Um, Yeah, mine also, I don't remember mine. Like I'll see kind of bits and pieces, but I very rarely remember my dreams unless they were like a really bad thing or a really weird thing. I... 
I only remember my dreams really well as long as I'm in a routine. Interesting. Like if I'm in a routine and I wake up at 6 a.m. every day when my alarm goes off and I know the alarm's going to go off and I'm doing this, that's when I remember my dreams the best. When I'm like, when, when things get shaky and I'm waking up at different times or whatever, I don't remember my dreams as well. Um, I wonder if you're not sleeping as well and so you're not dreaming as much because you have to be in REM to have yeah. dreams, don't you? Do I make that up? No, you're right. You're right. And if you, you're not on a schedule, if you're not sure when you're going to wake up and your, your body isn't prepared to sleep and wake up at the same time, you're probably not hitting REM as much. This is probably true. Um, solved it. Solved it. Blaming the pandemic, making working in school weird. Yeah. Blame you, pandemic. Um, but yeah, I'm always curious if people remember their dreams and how they see themselves in their dreams. Uh, and if they dream, like, I always think it's interesting when people ask, oh, do you dream in color or black and white? And I'm like, who dreams in black and white? I'm sure there's gotta be somebody. And obviously there I'd must be, because that's definitely see color. Yeah, yeah, I do for sure. I see like carnival, like I feel like half the time there's like a carnival going in the background in my dream. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I yeah. I don't know. Now I'm well, trying to remember the last time I had a dream. I just want to throw this out there. If you're a listener and this is stirring up any of your thoughts, we'd love to hear. Um, oh, yeah. Send me Instagram DMs about your dreams. Yeah. Do you dream in color? Do you dream in black and white? Do you dream? Do you do first person dreaming? Or third person dreaming? Or something oh. else? Yeah. So curious. Um, and like if you're dreaming are the same is the same as you're thinking. Tell us. Do you have if a narrator you think in pictures and dream in pictures? Do you hear your own voice in your head? All these things. We are curious. So please share. Yeah. Oh, no one has DM'd me yet, but I'm we'll work on sure. our we'll work on our social media. All right. Do you wanna get hit me with a few dream images and I'll look them up in this book? I don't know if I have good like the so the way my most reoccurring dream is that my legs don't work and I need to get away from something dangerous and I can't walk or run. All right, well here, maybe legs is in here. Okay, ready for this? Mm -hmm. Legs symbolize your support system. Mm. Can signify feelings of power if you feel that your legs are strong and shapely or powerlessness if they're weak, uneven or immobile. So that's definitely like my version of the teeth falling out dream like that's my stress dream so that would make sense that it's usually feel. like something's chasing me sometimes it's zombies and I have to get away and I can't and I'm and I see myself remember so I'm watching myself every time I try and take a step fall down and I'm usually on like a gravel road so it hurts when I fall just dumb well I want to tell you that you have a strong support system of people who love you <laughs> And want you to succeed. Is there anything about walking? Let us see. Not in my little book, but let me pull this up. Okay. Because I wonder if that's also like a control thing. 
But this um, is different than falling, correct? I think we should differentiate between. Yeah, because I'm not like I can't technically I'm falling over, but I'm not like falling off of a building. It's just like I try and stand and my legs are rubber, little noodle legs. All right, here we go. This is what they have to say. Walking. To dream that you are walking with ease signifies a slow but steady progress towards your goals. To dream that you have difficulties walking indicates that you are reluctant and hesitant in perceiving forward in some situation. Hmm. You may also be trying to distance yourself from certain life experiences. The difficulty in walking is a reflection of your current situation and the obstacles that you are experiencing. Interesting. That indicates that you are reluctant and hesitant in proceeding forward in some situation. That's it. The wedding is off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would never happen. No. I told him last night that he stuck with me forever and then I booped his nose. As you should. Nose boops for everyone. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm stressed. I don't feel supported and I'm running away from things. I don't think it's, I don't think it's actively running away. I think it's just maybe a nervousness to proceed or feeling like there's something you need to do, or you have something approaching that you need to deal with and you don't want to. Okay. That makes sense. What, what about your dreams? What are we going to interpret for you? Um, hmm. All right. Well, what did I just say? The snow, the white, the whiteness. Why is everything white? Right. All right. I think I've looked it up in this book before, but I'll look it up. Snow. Snow might be telling you something about your views on purity, depending on the quality of the snow. But it changes. Sometimes it's a, it can be a good dream or a bad dream and there'll be snow. Let me look up white and see what it says. Because I've been in like hotels and I've been in like large malls and things where like all the walls are white. Um, I used to dream that werewolves were trying to eat my family. Really? Oh, and there was a witch that lived under my bed at my grandmother's house. Wow. I dreamt about her every time I was there. She was not a very nice witch. You dreamt about this witch every time you're at your grandmother's house? Yeah, I think it's because there was this creepy old baby dress that looked like it was made out of paper that hung on the wall across from my bed. And that's what the witch wore in my dream. Oh. I still think that dress is super creepy. It's still in the same room. It very well could have been like Mima's baby dress and I shouldn't be being mean about it, but... If it was, it's 88 years old and it's creepy. The good news is I don't think Mima listens to this because I don't know if she could figure out podcasts. All right, so here we go. What do they have? They have white moth, white house. I don't see the white house. White out, no, white wash. What about like, you said everything's bright? Not always. Sometimes it's like nighttime, but I'm inside of like a house that is white on the inside. Hmm. To dream that you are whitewashing indicates an attempt to change your old ways and habits. Hmm. It also suggests that you are only pretending to change and trying to cover up your flaws. 
Ouch. Dream interpreter. Sorry my coma's being so mean to you today. Hmm. But maybe let me look up snow on this on this uh, website and see what they say. Trying to think of other things that I dream of. Right. Because part of this is sort of sorting through things that might be in the background. You know, like I just said, I've been in dreams where there's like a carnival or like a circus in the background more than once. I don't know if I can see the background in my dreams. Is there a sound? Is there... Like, do, are you aware of the setting? Like, no, it's just no. blurry. Huh. I only see me and the people who are close to me, but even then I don't like see them, see them. Like we talked about, I don't see faces. So you're dreaming in like soft watercolor paintings. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. That's kind of wild. Something's up with my brain. This we know. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we There's a couple things wrong with my brain. We don't have to say wrong, but it just is doing its own thing. It just is sifting through information in a way that is different than, say, my brain. Um, oh, my God. There's a lot of S words. All right. Here we are. S-I. S-H-I-J-K. You know what I was thinking? If I am in a coma and I did invent you, I should be able to see what you dream about. So I've decided I'm not in a coma. That's good. I'm glad. I think that's a fair point that you would be able to see all of our dreams. I Hold just on. had a memory. You just had a memory. Okay. Of yeah. child Hannah. And I would lay in my bed some nights and I would look at the stars and I would decide that I wanted to see how someone else lived for the day. And I would talk to the stars and I would tell them that I was going to wake up tomorrow in whoever's body I'd chosen. And they would wake up in mine and we would be each other for the day. And then when we fell asleep that night, we would go back. And I was convinced that this could happen. And then I'd wake up the next morning in my body, but I would decide for that day I wasn't me. I was them. Like if I had decided to swap bodies with you, I would go, I'm experiencing this because I'm Aaron in my body. This is this is Aaron for the day, and and Aaron is experiencing me being in her body, and it's fine. It worked, and tomorrow I'll be me again. Hannah, that is so complicated. Because <laughs> well, when I woke up and it didn't work, I was like, "It's not well, it didn't work. It's not that I'm not magic. It's that I am Aaron now, just in my house." I mean, the fact that you you're child imagination was able to like rationalize that is actually I think it was after I watched Freaky Friday um <laughs> Freaky Friday yes we watched Freaky Friday a lot um Lindsay Lohan was a staple of me growing up as she was for all of us <laughs> do you want to hear about snow absolutely all right <clears throat> To see snow in your dreams signifies your inhibitions, unexpressed emotions, and feelings of frigidity. You need to release and express these emotions and inhibitions. Okay. Uh, mm, Suppressed inhibitions. All right. Alternatively, snow means that you are feeling indifferent, alone, and neglected. But what if I like snow, you know, as a person? I don't know. If the snow is melting, then it suggests that you are acknowledging and releasing 
acknowledging and releasing emotions you have repressed. You are overcoming your fears and obstacles. If you are driving in the snow, then it means that you need to be extra cautious about how you approach your goals. I have driving dreams that are scary and they're their own thing. Um, what are driving dreams? What does that symbolize? Because I have driving dreams similarly to me not being able to walk. I'm usually backing out of my parents' driveway and my brakes don't work. Oh my God. I have that dream all the time. Yes. I'm backing down a hill. Someone Which I think I is why it's always my parents' driveway in my dream because they live on a pretty steep hill. Right. I'm... Um... And I always crash into the rock wall at the end of the driveway. Oh, I've crashed into so many different things in my dreams. Um, All right. Should I look up driving? Yeah. Okay. That happened to me in real life once, though. I was like, this isn't, this is a dream. This isn't real. But it wasn't that my brakes weren't working. It was that the driveway was ice. And so I just slowly slid backwards down it. Okay. All right. Drama, drawers, drawing, dream catcher. Can you dream a dream? In your dream? Mm. No. Drift, drill, drinking, drink, stripping, drive-in, drivers. You have to wake up twice. Driving. Driving has a long description. Oh, geez. Give us the highlights. Ah, all right. Oh, here we go. To dream that you are driving a vehicle signifies your life's journey and your path in life. This is not a good sign for our anxiety driving dreams. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see if it skips to, if you are driving a car in reverse, it suggests okay. that you're experiencing major setbacks in your goals. In particular, if you, in particular, if you drive in reverse into a pool of water, then it means that your emotions are literally holding you back. I've never driven into a pool of water. Have you? I've dreamt that there's a pool of water behind me that I'm worried about. Oh, I only ever back into the rock wall. Sometimes the rocks are bigger than real life. Because in real life, it wouldn't do a lot of damage. It's a pretty small rock wall. Hmm. Do you want me to read the rest of just general driving, not inherently bad driving? Uh, You can, if you want to. The dream is telling of how you are moving and navigating through life. If you are driving and cannot see the road ahead of you, then it indicates that you do not know where you are headed in life and what you really want to do with yourself. Ouch. Gosh, this is so, (laughs) ah. You feel attacked right now? Yes. Similarly, to dream that you are driving at night suggests that you are unsure of where you are headed in life. You are experiencing obstacles towards your goals. I guess, I don't know. I'm sure everyone in their 20s is having this dream. (laughs) Perhaps you do not want to see what is ahead, for you are afraid to confront certain issues. You may be feeling apprehensive about the future. If your view is blocked or obstructed, then it symbolizes your lacking awareness of something in your life. Alternatively, the dream indicates dangers or problems that are not yet made known to you. If you are driving on a curvy road, then it indicates that you are having difficulties in achieving your goals and accepting the changes associated with it. If you're driving in the snow, then it means that you need to, oh, I read this, you need to be extra cautious. Uh, Metaphorically, driving a car in your dream is analogous to your sex life and sexual performance. Consider how you are driving and what kind of car you are driving and how it relates to your waking sex life. Ooh. 
driving my mom's old car that has no brakes working, not a good sign. <laughs> no, I would say not. I can say that I don't remember the last time I had a driving dream, which means my sex life's probably fine. The last time I had a driving dream, it was like I was at a family party. For some reason, I told everyone I had to leave. I was at some exaggerated version of my uh, aunt's house, Patty's house. Mm-hmm. And they have a garage that's kind of old. But in the dream, it was still old, but it was much bigger and had a big glass door instead of a regular garage door. And I was in front of it and I was going to back out of their driveway and leave and everyone's cars were in the driveway and everyone was partying in the house. And I didn't put it in reverse. You drove through the door. I just drove right into their garage. My dad did that in real life once. He drove through our garage door. It was an accident. Yes. No, I'm sure. There was windows in the garage door and he had a, his truck at the time, which was very small. And it just lined up perfectly that when he looked in the back of his truck, it, the window lined up. So we thought it was open and he backed right into it. He was pissed. The next time we got garage doors, there were no windows. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I so he could it. see out the garage door. I see. Because he couldn't see the door at all. Just the windows lined up. So he just drove and it was shut. And he said, we need a new garage door. There will be no windows. Lesson for everyone. There was a lot of yelling that day. <laughs> He didn't end up going to work. He was pretty mad. <laughs> well, well, that's everything I have on dreams for today. I was good. It was um, more history of dreams and less dream interpretation than I thought it would be. But I think I liked it. It was just also interesting. I just didn't realize how much influence psychologists had on dream interpretation. But like, it makes sense that they would. I just am also learning about the same psychologists and their counseling theories right now because I'm in a theories of counseling class for my master's and um, yeah so I'm 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 learning about very different parts of their history and influencing psychology and psychoanalysis and so to know that they also did this silly little like to me dream interpretation is kind of silly I know some people take it really seriously but I think the ideas behind it like we don't really know yet we don't have any solid answers so it feels like a funny little hobby and and Sigmund Freud was like it's my funny little hobby though (laughs) and everyone's dreaming about sex right I mean it's it's wild because it's like a universal experience everyone has dreams and they're so wild and they're discomforting. Sometimes they're so beautiful. You're upset when you wake up. Sometimes they're so distressing as to like make you, you know, question your existence. Yeah. So I can see why psychologists wanted to understand it. Um, I don't mean to discredit anyone who's like really into this or really believes in it because I'm sure that there's a lot about it that we don't know. It just seems to me like there's a lot about it that we don't know. Right. So well, there are still learning. Something I didn't get into is there's like modern neuroscience that's interested in the same things we were talking about last time that had to do with um, like how fast the brain takes in and interprets information. Like the idea that as soon as I say something, it's the past. Yeah. That I, your brain is like, lagging. yeah, that yeah. your brain is lagging behind you. The same people that are kind of interested in that are interested in dreams that feels to me like that your brain is lagging it reminds me of like ADHD brain 
Um, cause sometimes you say things and I hear you and then I say what, and by the time I've said what my brain catches up and goes, this is what she said. And then I can answer. And my yes. brain literally like takes an extra beat. So it makes me feel better that everyone's brain lags a little bit. Yeah. Yes, it does. Just sometimes it takes me too long to process what's happening. You know, that might not necessarily be true. It might just be that your first inclination is, oh, like I'm going to respond. Like the right thing to do is respond when I think I to take a second in, in general, as a culture, I think we would all benefit from the idea of saying, did I understand what that person said, thinking it back and then responding. Jason did that to me yesterday. I was talking to him and he literally went, what? Oh, okay. Like without pause and give me a chance to repeat myself. I was like, great. So you, you did hear me. You just needed a minute to like hear me. Right. Yes. No, I don't think you're the only one. Like, I don't think that's an uncommon experience that you're describing. I see people on TikTok all the time. There's, there's this one guy that I follow who's like the ADHD experience is like he makes skits around it. Because mm-hmm. it is, I think, a lot more common of, of a thing than people realize. But especially in girls, it's harder to identify because there's two different kinds of ADHD. There's the hyperactive, which is what people are used to. And then there's the inattentive. And a lot of times it doesn't show up as hyperactive in females. So it just doesn't get diagnosed. It's just like people aren't paying attention. But then you learn about all the symptoms and all the things. And you're like, oh, no, that's definitely it. That's what I have. Just nobody ever recognized it because I wasn't like causing a scene in class. But anyways, we're not here to talk about ADHD. We're here to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Yes. The episode of Dreams has come to its conclusion, finally. (laughs) Hopefully the sound quality is okay. Um, Hopefully this works. It's possible we're not getting an episode this week, but we'll see what happens. I'm hopeful. Um, I think I'm going to hang this up and it's going to give me an MP3. So, but anyway, we should do our thing. Right. So, you know, that's dreams. If you have any thoughts or dreams that you want to talk about, Erin, can you throw a little book to interpret? Send us some messages. Maybe we can do another episode of like listeners dreams. Ooh, Um, that'd be awesome. Or a bonus episode. So communicate with us. Our Uh, Instagram is open. Um, And both of our Twitters are public. Oh yeah. Did we share our Twitters? I don't, I don't think we, we did. did. I, think I we shared should. my Instagram and you said mine's private. And I said, I don't care about being private. Let me see. You want to share your Twitter? I don't know what mine is. I have to look it up. I will share my Twitter. Um, oh, mine is the same as everything else. It's that underscore palindrome. Mine is ebennett128. Nice. Is your art Instagram private or just your personal Instagram? My art Instagram is not private, but I haven't updated it in quite a while. So before I advertise that, I need to give it a little reboot. Okay. I do think that people should see your art. Erin is a very good artist. She drew a couple of my tattoos. I did. This is true. Um, Okay. Well, that is, those are our Twitters. Um, The podcast Instagram is H. Nope. (laughs) sgk underscore podcast um i monitor that so shoot us a message there and until next time take your vitamins drink your water get some rest record your dreams yeah tell us about your dreams and And, we uh, love you we love you friends friends (laughs) okay that's it we're out we are 
out.